0: Welcome to the Make Disciples podcast, a short weekly podcast where we will share topics, ideas, and resources useful to you in your effort to follow Jesus as a disciple. Hey, welcome back to the Make Disciples podcast. My name is Dan Rober, and it's a pleasure to be with you again this week Today, I am joined by Heather Terhune. Heather, thanks for being with
1: us. Thanks for having me.
0: Glad to have you here with us. And over the past uh, several months, going all the way back to August, September, you have been teaching the Acts Bible study on Tuesday mornings. Yes,
1: yes. Enjoying that. So we're on week eight. Good time.
0: It's actually interesting how it's coordinated, where we've been able to teach through the book of Acts, while we as a church as a whole have been listening to sermons about the book of Acts as well. Oh, yeah,
1: I think you need to hear things a couple of times before it sits in. I, <laughs> At least I do, anyway. I certainly do as
0: well. Yeah, yeah you hear uh, it once and you, you get a little <laughs> bit of it. Although I should say that I feel like I'm learning an awful lot about Acts because I'm teaching through it. Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: It has taken on a completely different persona for me going through it the way we are now. You see it as a history book it's starting to come alive. And that's what God's word is, It's his breath. He breathed it out for us. So it is a lot. Absolutely. But yeah, it's jumping off the page. Good stuff.
0: <laughs> well, all we want to do today is uh, to take on some questions. So over the course of the past several months, as we've been teaching through it and hearing sermons on it, we've received a couple of questions sent in to us about uh, the book of Acts. And we thought it would be helpful to share those with. Uh, all of our listeners so that they could uh, consider perhaps what may have been some uh, confusing aspects of the book of Acts, and we may not have been able to cover them, or uh, they may have been uh, outside the scope of our teaching and the sermons. Yeah. Uh, so, so let's get into this. Uh, sure. Let's start with uh, this question of miracles. So mm. all throughout the book of Acts, we see Peter and later Paul participating in miracles. And so it's healings, and we have some stronger examples of amazing supernatural things going on throughout the book and the question is what do the miracles mean for us i mean when they're accomplished by jesus in the gospels we can say he's jesus you know he's Mm -hmm. god and so he can do them but then we get to the situation where we have people we have men who are accomplishing those miracles so what do they mean for us as christians today
1: Mm. I think that in Jesus's time, the miracles were never the issue. You know, they were just part of it. He wasn't even able to do miracles in his hometown because mm. of their unbelief. You know, it's because it was more about the gospel and preaching on um, that. And I think it was for Peter and Paul as well. I mean, even Paul with, what was it, handkerchiefs and aprons that, you know, they would bring and he would, they would go, people would be healed with these. And so I think in all of that, the miracles were there for them to show authority and to show that they were um, who they said they were. For us today, you know, we have to be careful not to go um, say, well, this is the way it should be for us too. It's that prescriptive versus descriptive. We're seeing a description of things in a time where, especially with Paul and the handkerchiefs and the aprons, he was in a place where there's a lot of mysticism going on they burned all these books, magic books and things like that, that would have had a very significant impact for those people then than what we would see today. You know, we, God knows what he's doing. And so um, with that, uh, miracles, we have to be careful not to say, oh, if we pray over this handkerchief, then you take it to somebody and they're going to be healed. This is descriptive, not prescriptive teaching. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And we never want to in our understanding of God, diminish God. Oh, no, never, never. So if he wanted to do something like that, he absolutely could. Oh, he
1: absolutely could. Definitely. I've seen him do crazy things for me. So yeah, I know. (laughs) Absolutely.
0: And I had a professor who hammered it into us. He said, what God has done in the past is a model and a promise for what he will do in the future, though he is too powerful and too creative to do the same thing the same way twice. Right. 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 And so we know that he can do that, but we also have to recognize that we're in a different situation.
1: Yes, yeah. exactly. And, exactly.
0: So, and we certainly have to be careful about saying that because humans uh, were part of this miracle, that all of a sudden that we can accomplish that. Right. It's, it's the height of hubris and, frankly, at times heresy to say that we're going to go to a healing service because I know that I'm going to be able to accomplish this. Mm. Even if they give credit to God. We just don't know that well enough.
1: Right. It's like Simon the Magician trying to buy the Holy Spirit. Exactly. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah. it's not up to us. Also, something I think we need to remember is the Bible is, first of all, a book about God. Hmm. So what do we learn about God in these things? We can take these very specific, detailed things and start to analyze them and turn them into something that really, what is God telling us about himself? He's a powerful God, and we can believe that he will accomplish his will um, and his promises. So I think that's what we get from those.
0: So we get to see miracles as a way to show authority and show power. So another question for you. We read in the book of Acts about God-fearing Gentiles, Mm. and sometimes it doesn't refer to Gentiles as much as Greeks, but that can be used interchangeably depending on the translation. But when it says God-fearing Gentiles, are we talking about the God that we worship? Are we talking about that same God, or is it something completely different?
1: Yeah. So this is a history lesson, (laughs) which I'm not great at. So you probably should answer this. (laughs) I'm science minded, not history minded. But with Acts is a history book. So we got history going on. There was a diaspora that happened. um, And when that happened, it was persecution of the Jews. This was before the time of Christ. And so when that happened, um, the Jewish peoples were scattered throughout the region. And so their influence, they built synagogues there. And the synagogues were a place of cultural trade. So they would have attracted a lot of people to those areas, and they were successful. And so they would have heard about the God of Israel. They would have heard about the Jewish God. So when we're talking about God-fearing Gentiles, we're talking about people who know the God of Israel, who know Jehovah, but they're not Jews because they haven't been born into the Jewish family. They don't follow the Abrahamic line, you know, per se. I think they have a knowledge of God, which made them right. It made them very right when Peter went into Cornelius' house, he understood what Peter was saying. His heart was pricked in that because this was what he longed for. The answers that he had been searching for were now being fulfilled. It was a way for him to be a part of something that he loved. I think that's what the question is asking. I don't know if I do that justice or not. But.
0: <laughs> I think you did. I think I would agree with all that. Another term that I've heard used for these people are Torah observant ah, Gentiles. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. they have an appreciation for those scriptures yes. and they want to practice them. And I think that there's uh, an application for this ourselves as we live out our lives. Rather than looking at it as there are people who are non-believers and there are believers, that's certainly true, but there are people who are closer to belief. Yes. And, and yes. we see this throughout the book of Acts, right? right? Exactly. I mean, People who have partial understandings or a little bit of knowledge or maybe more interested in certain things, but haven't gone all the way to a saving understanding of Jesus. Right. He fits into it.
1: Like Apollos. You know, he had gone all the way through John the Baptist, but he he didn't understand that Jesus was the promised Messiah. Exactly. And he just needed that information. Priscilla and Aquila gave it to him. Yeah. And there you go. (laughs) And
0: and that's an encouragement for us because we can look at the world and say that there are people at different levels of Mm -hmm. closeness to the kingdom. People who are already there, people who have zero inches whatsoever. That's right. We're very interested in those people who are interested and just need that little more information.
1: Definitely, definitely.
0: And for Paul, we see that for the people who uh, are absolutely antagonistic and have zero inches whatsoever, he just, you know, gets a dust off of his shoes and (laughs) says, you know, fine, I told you, you know, you you got it, but now I'm going to someone else. Yes, uh, yeah. That eventually leads to uh, the people who are interested in taking that final step towards understanding.
1: Yeah, and I love how Luke, in the book of Acts, how he includes those sermons that Paul gives, because some are to Jews, some of his sermons are to the Jewish people who have that knowledge, and then he's got the ones to the— The Athens, the Sermon of the Unknown God, where they have no clue. And so you see how Paul's strategy changes through that. And we can learn from him and how he gave the gospel that we can do the same thing for others. It's very applicable to today, for sure.
0: Great stuff. Okay. okay, question number three. Alrighty. One of the uh, very familiar passages in the Bible where Paul and Silas are in prison uh, and they're miraculously freed, but they stay there. The jailer shows up and he runs in and says, what must I do to be saved? And that famous response, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Mm-hmm. Now, a question that came up about this is, you and your household—is this talking like his entire household will be saved if he believes? Is this sort of a head of household salvation? Mm. What do you think about that? No. <laughs> short and sweet. I love short it. and sweet. No,
1: <laughs> because you use scripture to interpret scripture, yeah. and so rest of scripture does not say that the head of household, if he's saved, then the rest of the household will be saved. This is individual between you and the Holy Spirit. So, uh, no, I don't think that's the case at all in that sense. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It may be a little confusing because of how we translate it into the English. Yeah. It sounds like that you and your house will be saved if you believe. Mm -hmm. But when you pay attention to the actual... Uh, words that are used in terms of plural or singular. It's saying, if you singular believe, then you singular will be saved. Mm -hmm. And this applies to your entire household. Your entire household will be saved if each one of them individually. Right.
1: And what better way? I mean, the jailer would be the head of the household in that sense. And he comes in and he's beginning to live a life that's completely different. What kind of effect would that have had on the rest of his family? So most likely they would become saved. (laughs) Super. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So we started with this broad supernatural theme question, a very, uh, you know, <laughs> thoughtful and important one. And then, well, we get to this final one that's a bit more crude, but, you know, <laughs> we're interested in this history. Here, yeah, right? yeah. And so it's an important question. How would people know if someone is circumcised or not? And let's set this up. I mean, we know that the yes. Jews are supposed to be circumcised. We get to Acts 15 and that comes to a head. As Christianity expands to Gentiles, it brings up the question: Are they supposed to be following things like circumcision in Judaism?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: But why would anyone know in the first place?
1: They'd be telling people; <laughs> they would have to tell one another. And I think that's why I love so. Much, you know, we talk about baptism, and the old has gone, and the new has come. I told my class there's a great example of the word "baptizo," how it is defined as a cucumber going into vinegar. It goes in as a cucumber. It comes out as a pickle. It's a great way of talking about baptism to your kids. It's kind of the same, but it ain't the same, you know, and it's even better. And so when you look at um, circumcision and we think about the old is gone, so the circumcision of the Jews, they would have had to have told people, they would have gone in and said, I'm the son of so-and-so. That Jewish heritage, their Jewish lineage is so important to them. And that's what that council, uh, the Jerusalem council was about. It's like, this is no longer the way it is. Our heritage comes from faith. Just like Abraham, it was credited to him as righteousness. This comes from this. It's not about who you are. This is not a religion of exclusivity, but one of inclusivity. So you going around saying, I'm circumcised. Everybody has to be circumcised in order to believe is being very exclusive and misleading about the gospel. And so... Um, that's how they would have told everybody, this is why I'm circumcised. Um, so you wouldn't really know unless you were told. But that's a direct indication of how exclusive they saw their religion to be and why the Jerusalem Council thought it's so important to not continue that yeah. with the Gentiles.
0: We do have a very limited experience of not only telling, but actually showing. Oh, and yeah. I don't want to get too crude here. <laughs>
1: Except to know
0: that in (laughs) Greek culture, gymnasiums were the place where uh, primarily men would be uh, physically active in the nude. In fact, the Mm. Greek word gymnos, what we get gymnasium from, Uh actually means naked. Oh, my goodness. And so they would work out in the nude. And so uh, people would be aware of uh, these kind of things. (laughs) Um, Yes, we're getting a little bit crude here. And so we actually Ah. have historical records of certain Jews who actually underwent surgery to reverse their circumcision because they wanted to hide it because they didn't want people to know that they were Jewish. Oh, that's Um, a great
1: history lesson.
0: But that's a very limited aspect. Well, it doesn't
1: even take into it women, too. You know, you think about women, circumcision of the heart. That's the beauty of the gospel is it's so inclusive versus gender and who you are, status, symbol, nation, all those things. It's very inclusive. So, yeah, because women couldn't say that.
0: Well, well, we went downhill with those questions there. But,
1: uh, it was fun times. Important
0: to talk about regardless. Yeah. I learned something yes. new.
1: I don't know that I wanted to know it, but I learned something new. There you
0: go. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being yeah. with us, Heather. This was a great opportunity to answer some questions. And when we come back together next time, we're actually going to take on some uh, broad takeaways from our time talking about Acts. Thanks for joining us for the Make Disciples podcast. We would love it if you would subscribe, leave a review and spread the word. This podcast can be found in Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This podcast is a ministry of Wildwood Church in Tallahassee, Florida. Please join us again for our next episode of Make Disciples.